It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellie. Coming up on episode number 101 of a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. At 10.30, it is the first of a two-segment chat with Justin Wells of Inside Texas and on Texas football ahead of the season opener against Rice. At 10.15, we discuss Longhorn legend Juan Cosby's comments to BK and Bucky Godbolt from the Texas Sports Unfiltered Morning Show about this year's talented wide receiver room for Texas football. And coming up in seconds, Big 12 Phil Collins shares Brett Yormark's sentiments on UT. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And at Brad Kellner is where you can find my broadcasting partner and crime. You can also hear him daily on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel, hosting Mornings with Bucky Godbolt from 8 to 10 and with me from 12 to 1. And going to start tonight's show with a little bit of a replay. What BK and I started with on today's Midday with Trey and BK, live from 12 to 1, having to do with Dana Holgerson and his dismissive nature of the Texas Longhorns. One of the newest members of the Big 12 Conference is the University of Houston. And Dana Holgerson, who of course was the coach at West Virginia for a number of years, is now the coach at the University of Houston. He's been there for four or five years now. I don't think I'm breaking any news to anybody. But obviously, this is the first time in a while the Longhorns and Cougars are in the same conference. And obviously, these two teams will play down in H-Town on October 21st. And Dana Holgerson did his weekly radio show down in Houston yesterday. And I guess a Cougar fan asked him a question about Texas and Texas A&M departing from the Big 12 to the SEC. That, that feels weird to lump the two schools together, considering they left for the SEC like 15 years apart. But anyway, somebody asked a question about Texas and A&M leaving the Big 12 and whether or not that made the Big 12 a little bit less desirable. Dana Holgerson said, quote, screw them. They can go wherever they want. They don't want us, and we don't want them end quote so add dana holgerson trey to the list of people who are publicly excited about texas bolting for the southeastern conference it's a sentiment that's shared across the conference at this point bk even if texas tech people are still trying to set up an annual game between the longhorns and red raiders there is no love lost between these different sides and that was part of the point with Brett Yormark's comments last week and why I wasn't as incensed as pretty much every other Longhorn fan was with what I heard out of Brett Yormark under normal circumstances. And even even if that was said at Big 12 media days, I think it would have been a little bit differently. But because he was speaking to a fan base that will still be a part of the conference after this upcoming season, I understand why he did it for, uh, for a variety of reasons. And Dana Holgerson now echoes that sentiment, by the way, It's great, even if for a year, to have Big 12 Phil Collins back in the fold. That's what Danny Holgerson is. I spoke (laughs) with him at Big 12 Media Days this year and got to ask literally one of the favorite questions I've ever asked anybody, and that was at the end of my chat with Dana. It was a great conversation, by the way. Talk about his Cougars football team, coming back to the Big 12, uh, the loss of Coach Leach, but the fact that he will be there for Texas Tech honoring Coach Leach 
uh, this season. Houston is going to be in Lubbock that day, and so that should be a really special moment. But I ended the interview by asking Dana if he does, in fact, feel it coming in the air tonight. Mm. And, uh, he gave a good response, too. So uh, <laughs> you can go check that out uh, on the Night Talker um, podcast page. You can check this picture out of Dana Holgerson's hair right now. Maybe he should focus a little bit more on getting that thing figured out than bashing Texas and Texas A&M. Oh, who recognizes the hair as a problem? That was part of his answer when I asked him the Phil Collins question. He looks a little bit like uh, Big Ernie McCracken right there from <laughs> Kingpin, but the hair is just going everywhere as Big Ernie yeah. is uh, bowling his way to another title. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly Dana Holgerson was going for with that look. Now, that picture is a few years old. That's from his time in Morgantown. But it's not that much better than this picture right now in 2023. Well, it looks like, if I had to guess, BK, that the wind had blown the, I don't know what you even call that on top of his head, the comb over, the comb back, the just kind of keep it as messy as possible to hide how bald it is on top. It looks like the wind had blown it straight up, and he was trying to put the hair uh, back closer to his head. Yeah, what do you call that hairstyle? It's like a a balding comb-over slash mullet. Like in recent years, he's actually let the back grow out a little bit more, so you don't have the full luscious Gundy mullet on the noggin of Dana Holgerson, but you do kind of have a little party in the back going on these days. Dana Holgerson also said that Texas and Texas A&M are the reason why Houston didn't get the invite to the Big 12 Conference in years past, which there might be some truth to that, right? Like, I don't think it was only Texas and Texas A&M that didn't want Houston in the Big 12. I think there were plenty other Big 12 schools who were against the Cougars joining the league in years past, but uh, you know, I don't think Texas or Texas A&M were bending over backwards at any point to try to bring UH into the conference. Houston is a commuter school. They've got a, a fairly large student base, but there are a lot of people who travel from all over the greater Houston area to go to the U of H, and they've had uh, very successful years in the last 10-plus uh, now in football, obviously basketball too, but there was no need for uh, Texas – uh, for Oklahoma, for that matter, or anybody else in the conference to fight to get another state of Texas school into the mix because that just adds a level of complexity to your ability to try and dominate this state, right? Yeah. Like, that may be dodging the competition just a little bit. Yeah, it probably is, but uh, there was no need to add U of H at that time. Like Even when the Big 12 added them last year or announced that they were one of the four schools who would be a part of the conference beginning this season, that was very much a meh moment. Like you kind of understood BYU because they do have a national presence. And I guess you get going elsewhere, going into Florida and then up to uh, grab the Cincinnati Bearcats too, especially because they've been good at football in these last few years. But Houston was the one I was most indifferent on. And honestly, like considering the eight additions to this point, Houston Maybe next to UCF because UCF, I know they've had some successes in football recently, but they're really still trying to build that athletics department and school up. Uh, U of H is on the bottom in terms of power ranking, just how uh, just how valuable each school is to the conference now. Yeah, look, I think Houston has the potential to be a great program moving forward. I really do. And I'm with you. I think the reason why Houston has been left out of the Big 12 for as long as it has is twofold, right? Number one, Houston just 
didn't bring enough to where it was like, oh, we obviously have to have these guys in because if we have the University of Houston in our conference, then we're all going to be making way more money and the TV partners are going to want to open up the pocketbooks because we've got U of H in there. No, that's just not true. And then, yeah, I think part of it is a competitive advantage thing. Houston is one of the most talent-rich areas in the country for football, for basketball, for baseball, for volleyball, for any sport. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a big deal for a lot of these kids to play close to home. So I think, yeah, there was a little bit of fear that, hey, maybe if Houston's in a big-time conference, they are going to find a way to kind of arise and be a big-time force in college sports. I think maybe that was a part of it as well. But, yeah, it is, it is pretty funny that Dana Holgerson is like, screw them, you know, talking trash about Texas when the only reason Houston got the invite to the Big 12 in the first place is because Texas left. Like, you're welcome. You're, you're about to make a lot more money now. And Dana, I love Dana, by the way. Dana, I got to interact with him a lot during my two years in Houston. He's a great dude. He's freaking hilarious. He would listen to my show. He'd call into the show. Like, great guy. I love Dana. But, dude, remember that you got hired, number one, with the expectation of moving to the Big 12. And once the announcement was made that the Cougars were going to the Big 12, you got a massive extension and a huge pay raise. And all of that is happening because of Texas. And I, I guess AM, but really because of Texas making the decision to bolt for the SEC. So, all right, you're listening to a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. It is actually a replay of the live conversation Brad Kellner and I had earlier today. We do it Monday through Fridays from 12 to 1 on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Coming up. We talk more Longhorn football, including Quan Cosby's comments on this year's Texas wide receiver room. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. This is essentially a replay of a live conversation that Brad Kellner and I had on the On Texas Football YouTube channel earlier today. We are live weekdays from 12 to 1 at the On Texas Football YouTube channel. And here's a little bit more on overrated coaches in the Big 12 based on the previous segment's discussion on Dana Holgerson. Yeah, Chris Bennett brings up an interesting comment here that I think is worth a bit of a discussion, uh, BK, and that is Dana Holgerson is now the most overrated coach in the Big 12 supplanting Matt Campbell. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Matt Campbell, and by the way, I was at the forefront of the Matt Campbell bandwagon for several years, but in the last few years, you've seen a guy who's maybe underperforming as a coach and also a guy who is way too quick to just completely lose his shit over what he perceives to be a bad call. Hmm. And oftentimes, it's not a bad call going against Iowa State either. So I think his willingness to go that unhinged, especially earlier in games, is uh, is doing a, uh, a disservice to his team and maybe distracting them from taking care of the task at hand. Does that mean Dana Holgers is not a little bit overrated at this point? No, but I think Matt Campbell, because he is so beloved by the national media especially, probably still takes that title. Who do you think the most overrated coach in the conference is right now? Well, my theory on Matt Campbell's anger is not that he's angry at the officials. He's angry at himself for not taking a better job when he had the chance, and he just unleashes that rage on the zebras every single Saturday. That's why I think Matt Campbell has gotten so mad in recent years. Everybody told him to leave. Like, I respect the loyalty. You don't see a lot of 
of it in college sports with coaches, with players, with anybody. I respect the guy for staying, but uh, we were saying years ago that like, no, dude, go, go take a better job. And he didn't do it. And now I don't know how many better jobs want him. So yeah, Matt Campbell, maybe he's at that list. I still think he's a good coach, but you're right. The last couple of years haven't been great. I don't think Dana Holgerson's rated that high anymore. I, like, I don't think a lot of people out there think right. Dana Holgerson's a good coach in 2023. And you could maybe say he's still overrated even by saying that. But I, like Dana Holgerson, maybe you could say during his time at West Virginia was overrated. But I, I don't think he's overrated at Houston anymore. Like I think most people acknowledge that his seat – and I'm, I'm coming from Houston, so I talked about this a lot and saw this more than most people around the country did. But I think his seat is warming up a good amount. And there are already a bunch of Cougs fans who are ready to make the move to get rid of of Dana Holgerson after what happened last year. So I don't think he's overrated. Most overrated coach in the conference? It's got to be Gundy, I guess, if not Matt Campbell, right? I don't think it's Gundy because Gundy's done a tremendous, tremendous job. I think it's... They've also achieved when they have expectations, though. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation because there are a lot of coaches right now that seem like they're pretty darn good. I I think it's easy. I think it's Joey McGuire. They had a solid first year. They did something they had never done in school history, and that's beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. I'm not going to sit here and say Joey McGuire doesn't deserve some love for what he was able to pull off in year one, but you got people picking Texas Tech to make it to the Big 12 championship game. You got people picking Texas Tech to win the Big 12 championship game. You've got the national media, and part of this, I'll, I'll credit Joey McGuire. Like he's, he's done a great job building up the hype train in Lubbock, and they love him out there. And oh, I can't wait for him to pull a Chris Beard and, and go to a bigger school in two years, despite saying how much he loves Lubbock and how that's his home forever. That's going to be great for Texas Tech fans to have to deal with. But that, like, too many people are buying into Texas Tech right now after one decently solid year for Texas Tech. I can't even find, what did they win, seven games? They went eight and five last year. A good first year, but dude, we're 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 anointing that guy and that program, I think, way too early. Yeah, I said it when he was hired and tech fans were a little bit disappointed. I actually think he is gonna turn out to be an excellent hire for them. So I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I also do see him them getting a ton of love this year and him putting a lot of that on himself, by the way. I mean, he told me and plenty of others at Big Twelve Media Days that if they don't make it to the Big Twelve championship game, it is a disappointing season in twenty twenty three. And he may be right about that. Look, I mean, I feel like they have uh, a strong argument as one of the top three or four teams in this conference. And if you're in that category, then, yeah, you should be in the hunt for that Big 12 championship game all the way to the end of the season. But uh, go ahead. My bad. McGuire's been there for one year, Trey, and there are already people having conversations about Texas Tech dominating the Big 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leave. Like people are ready to anoint them as like the team that's going to run the conference starting in 2024. Like I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying it sure as hell feels a little early to be giving them all of that love. That is probably uh, the best case for him being overrated right now is because he has only been there for one year. But I also know the relationships he has across the straight and uh, across the state, excuse me, and how good of a job he's already done in improving the roster. That's only going to continue to get better too. Now, is he going to be fighting for seconds on a lot of occasions going forward? Because there are two other schools in this conference and a third just north of that northern border that will be members of the SEC, one of the two most important conferences in college football uh, here in the next couple of years. Yes, absolutely. But 
he has still done a phenomenal job of fostering relationships and I think doing a, a, a good job of bringing in the right sorts of coaches to make sure that he's running the, the system that he wants and needs to run in order to have success on both sides of the ball too. Yeah, he's done a great job. I will acknowledge that. And he's also done a great job of positioning himself to take over for Jimbo Fisher in a couple of years. So that is a possibility. I agree with that. And then, uh, oh gosh, there was something else that I just lost my train of thought there. I apologize. Ah, it's it's totally out of mind now, BK, unfortunately. Oh, no, here's the thing that I was going to mention about Joe McGuire. He's actually, I don't know if you call it fortunate, but... The fact that Brett Yormark said what he did in Lubbock last week overshadowed something that Joey said that could have brought a lot more heat on him too, and that is talking about the Texas Longhorns and calling them uh, something to the effect of a mediocre uh, mediocre athletics department that has really good Olympic sports. I'm paraphrasing that. That's not exactly what, it sa- what he said, but it was something along those lines, and it's like, easy there, Joey. Uh, because that mediocre program has completely dominated you guys this century and really throughout uh, their history as quote-unquote rivals. Mm-hmm. Congrats on your meat judging championships, Joey. Well done on that. That's A&M. We don't give Texas Tech a meat judging. No, Tech has won. I think they won it last year. Oh, They've, did they? Well, congratulations. They got, you beat your rivals A&M in meat judging. Yeah, they got a good program at staring at other others' meat. So that's very exciting. Congrats to them on being able to judge other people's meat better than the rest of the world. Up to last year, the only meat judging that Texas Tech had won was a rush week on Fraternity Grow from what I <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Jose asked the question, has the ticket winner been picked? Yes, Glenn Vargas is the name of the winner for our pair of ticket giveaway to see the Longhorns take on the Rice Owls on Saturday. So congrats to Glenn. If for some reason we cannot get a hold of Glenn before Friday, then we will pick a different winner. But uh, once again, we are doing a massive giveaway when we get to 5,000 subscribers. So that's not the only giveaway we are going to be doing on the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel in the near future. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're continuing to spread the love. We appreciate all of the support from all of you guys. Okay, Trey, let's uh, let's hear from Quan Cosby, shall we? Yes. The legendary lifetime Longhorn and a guy who will be inducted into the Hall of Honor on September 15th, and then he will be honored during the Wyoming game on September 16th. Quan Cosby, a good buddy of all of ours, he joined the show yesterday and these are a couple of my favorite cuts from Quan. We'll start with this one. Trey, you and I have talked a lot about the wide receiver room. I think every Texas fan is pumped to see what these receivers can do here in 2023. We asked one of the better receivers in the history of Texas football about his expectations for this wide receiver group. Here's what Quan Cosby had to say. Dude, I, I, I laugh because I joke a lot with BJ, Roy, and Sloan, and that was a great group as well, and and, they, and, and we argue, as athletes do, about the receiver rooms. And we throw the numbers out, and then they get pissed off and say, we didn't have that offense. <laughs> and we go at it. I was like, I caught 90-something balls, and so did Shippey the same year. They're like, that's just that's just crazy. Uh, and even, you know, the, the, the Wayne McGarrys and Kwame Cavill rooms, we've had some rooms in there, man. And so I say all that to say this. From a production standpoint, we're, time will tell. From a on paper standpoint, maybe the best room we've ever had, and, huh. and and I don't I don't say that lightly because I respect our rooms, uh, I respect 
Roy's and the Kwame's and the, all the folks who have caught, you know, 90 plus hundred balls and, and are, you know, put some skins on the wall. But when, when I'm saying truly talent for talent, and, and, and also I'm not saying one, two, three, one through three, because again, we'll give a, we have some good rooms in there, one through three, but one through six, these cats, there's no drop off. Thoughts? I mean, look, I hope at the end of this year that there is a legitimate argument for most talented and most productive wide receiver rooms in school history. You know, I don't want to anoint them before uh, the season has a chance to play out, but the talent is certainly there. The potential is certainly there. So now it's time to, uh, to put the hype into action. And in the end, do I think that we'll look back on this receiving core as one of the best in school history? I do. But I also am reluctant to uh, to say that out loud because, well, like you, I suffer from UTSD. Yeah, it's cool that we can even have this discussion, right? Like if we try to have this discussion at most points over the last 12, 13, 14 years, it would have been ridiculous. But the fact that, yeah, you could make a case that this could be the best on paper wide receiver room the University of Texas has ever had. Now, like you said, like Quan said, we got to see it. Right, These guys have to produce on the field. There really does feel like there are five or six, maybe even more than that, Sunday receivers on this Texas roster right now, and that's pretty damn cool. You're listening to a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker, a replay of the live conversation that Brad Kellner and I had earlier today on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. We do it Monday through Friday, live from 12 to 1. Make sure to tune in through YouTube or our free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Coming up, it is the return of Justin Wells to the Night Talker, as well as Trey and BK. Going to talk all things Longhorn football ahead of the season opener this Saturday against Rice. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back here on a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker, where I'm joined by my former and current broadcasting partner in crime, Brad Kellner. We actually do a live show every day, Monday through Friday, from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered. You can also watch it after the fact if you want. And it is available for live stream on our free app, TexasSportsUnfiltered.com. And here's more from today's earlier conversation. And it's actually the grand return of our good friend, Justin Wells, not only to Trey and BK, but also to the Night Talker. It is extremely fitting that the first guest on the latest iteration of Midday with Trey and BK is a guy that we talk to more than Anyone else on the old radio show other than ourselves, BK, it is a guy who is majorly responsible for the greatness at Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com. You can also check out his analysis on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. It is the great Justin Wells. <laughs> Whoa, sports streets. Justin, what the heck, man? How we doing today? I'm doing blessed, guys. Man, it's so good to see you guys. I don't think y'all understand, man. It's This has been too dang long, man. This feels like a family reunion that should have happened years ago. 
BK. Come on, I man. See Trace Mug on the regular. <laughs> it's you, man. I haven't seen you in forever, brother. Man, y'all look good together. Ah, oh, man. We're just trying to look half as good as you are, Jay Wells. And it's good to good see love. you, my man. And that's uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm most excited about being on this beat again is getting the chance to uh, chop it up with you, my friend. Oh man, and I love I love the shades. You think the uh, the future is pretty bright for Texas football? Is that why you're rocking those? BK and I, you, we, we're on the same wave path, man. That's the way that works. It, the few, that's exactly what I was going with. Rubble tried to wear them at first, but I had to get them from him. Um, yeah, listen, I get I'm getting a lot of texts from a lot of family and a lot of friends. You know, game week, it's here, fellas. The off season is over. Thank God, we got game week. I'm getting so many messages. Is the hype real? Is Texas really going to be this good? Is the roster that stacked? And I have to say yes. Mm-hmm. For t- After 13 years of saying, man, I don't know. You know, it, it could go this way, house of cards that way. I have to tell them the truth. This roster's stacked. This team is confident. This coaching staff is very confident. And I think they're really eager to hit someone. I agree with that, Justin, and uh, we share that optimism, obviously. Is there a either a spot on the roster or a position group that has you most optimistic right now? Yes. I'll give you one on each side of the ball. The wide receiver room improved greatly in the offseason. Not just the fact that you get Xavier Worthy healthy after a broken hand last year. Jordan Whittington coming back, the elder statesman of the group. Adonna Mitchell is on – and Adonis Mitchell's on this roster now. And let me tell you, he has been a difference maker since he arrived. He is that component that they thought they had last year in Isaiah Nayor. I'm telling you, and you and I have talked about this, Nayor's injury was the baddest beat on this team last year. It changed what they could do on offense. It at least cost them a few wins. And they replaced that with with Mitchell in this offseason, not to mention Nayor's healthy now. And so he's getting back into the reps. He's getting back into the swing of it. So this running back room looks, I mean, this wide receiver room looks unbelievable, not to mention a Jonte Cook, one of the best freshmen in the country, DeAndre Moore, who already has a college-ready body, and Ryan Niblett, who might be the fastest of all of them. So I like the wide receiver room on offense, on defense. The D-line would be the easy one because there's just it's filled with NFL guys, experienced guys, youth veterans kind of a nice mixture but it's the secondary i'm telling you guys Mm. terrence brooks is a future all pro in the nfl he is the the most talented on this roster and that's saying something because ryan watts hits like a linebacker manning muhammad does not play like a freshman and will not play like a freshman that guy's gonna gonna be hard to keep off the field gavin holmes is the fastest player on that defensive side of the ball and that, that you're talking about the four, three or four corner in, in that spot, former Wake Forest All-ACC all guy that transferred um, in, in the spring. And then Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan, you guys know what you're getting in Jaron, the quarterback of the defense, always going to be in the right position, always going to bring hat, always has the best attitude. But when they took the green jersey off Jalen Catalan in the second scrimmage, it got real. <laughs> Jalen Catalan will hunt you. He is going to hurt you, and he's going to do it consistently until the, until the, until the end of the game. And so the secondary, I want to see Jalen Catalan. I, you guys, we, we were talking during the Catalan recruitment years ago, 
Yeah. In the class of 19, we had talked about it. And Texas was in second place, and they were so close. And he wanted to go to Austin so bad. And if Tom Herman wasn't the head coach, Jalen Catalan would still would have gone to Austin this whole time. Mm. But no, nevertheless, he's home now. He's playing really well. He's healthy. I'm sorry. I ranted a little bit. I had to go on both sides <laughs> of the ball. There's too much, too much value, too much excitement, guys. Uh, I just hope Jalen Catalan doesn't hurt himself. I know he's trying to hurt everybody Great. else. <laughs> that's that's the issue. You guys have been all over it, man. Jalen Catalan's an all-world talent. We just got to keep him on the field this year. Yes, uh, Jay Wells, got to ask you about the quarterback, man. You know, Quinn Ewers, at times last year, he looked like he had a chance to be something special. At times last year, Texas fans were throwing things at their TV because he just couldn't get out of his own way. <laughs> What progression have you seen from Quinn Ewers, and what's your confidence level in him taking a big step towards more consistency here in 2023? You know, people, that, that's usually the first question, is Quinn Ewers going to be better? And it's one of those things, he's going to be better by default. He's done every – you know, we rush these quarterbacks, guys. We rush them so much. They get into college, we see freshmen starting – and this never happened back in the day. We get to the NFL, we see rookies starting. That never happened back in the day. You had to be on the roster three or four years before you sniffed the field. So we were, we were in this age of urgency. So everybody wants everybody to be good right now. Well, guess what? Quinn Ewers hadn't played football in two years till last year. <laughs> and, it, and, and there was so much goodness up to that point, but you slip, you get rusty. It's not always – you're not always the best version of yourself. And even though he flashed last year, even though he had some fantastic games, Oklahoma notably, he, he slung the pill everywhere in the Alamo Bowl against Washington. That's the Quinn Ewers we're going to see. This kid lost weight, went on a strategic diet, started the core workout. You know, I, I don't know if he went Atkins or not, but I'll check. All he did was shave, shave down his body fat 5 or 6%. He's focused. He removed the mullet. He admitted kind of hot, 100-degree heat index with that helmet on. Maybe he needed to go business in the front, business in the back, because you're in a contract year, because we know Quinn Ewers is likely going in the first round of the 2024 NFL draft. I think Ewers has all the toys and all the confidence to have a great year. You return the entire starting line. You have great back, a, a really strong backfield that I think will be built up over the season. We'll, we'll see more pr progress there. You gave you gave him some great receivers, and then you've got returning All Big Twelve tight end Jatavian Sanders, who's also likely going to be drafted in twenty twenty four. Quinn Ewers is going to be better by default. Everything around him is better. He's better, and I can't wait to see him strap it on. Justin, let's talk a little bit more about that running back room because you guys reported a couple of days ago that there's a good chance we see C.J. Baxter starting at running back for the Longhorns this Saturday against Rice, yes, sir. which is maybe a bit of a pleasant surprise because he's picked things up quickly, put on the right sort of weight in the offseason. But it does make me wonder if Jonathan Brooks is 100% right now because we've heard little bits and pieces about him during fall practice, but – did that surprise you to initially hear that information that C.J. Baxter may in fact be the starter this weekend? It A little bit. A little bit. Now, I, I've been on record as saying I feel like Cedric Baxter is going to be the starting running back at Texas by midseason or, or, or November at the latest. Okay. And, and it reminds me of the – this group reminds me of the 2001 team. It, the, there are a lot of similarities. 
and this is the Benson freshman year, 2020, 20, you know, 20, 2001. I see a lot of Benson and Baxter. And remember, it took Matt Brown losing in the Cotton Bowl to OU before he let Benson play. And then the next week at, in Stillwater, Benson started and didn't come off the field for three and a half years. No. And so I thought that's kind of the, the trend line I was looking for for Baxter. You know, get you some run. get get. But Jonathan Brooks was kind of one of – not so much the incumbent, but he'd been there he, a few years, and, and they know the value that, that he brings. Baxter is the biggest back in that room. He is the baddest back in that room. 218, 219, 220 pounds as a true freshman out of Orlando. It was only a matter of time. Listen – Texas loses Bijan Robinson and Rashawn Johnson. Those are the two biggest in the that 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 they needed to replace. Those are the two guys. I think we'll see. It's I don't think the starting thing is going to be a factor, Trey. I think it'll be in the aggregate. We're going to see Jonathan Brooks get his carries. We're going to see CJ get his carries. You're going to see Keelan Robinson have a package as well. So I, I think the running back room is going to kind of straighten itself out. So just to be clear, Jonathan Brooks, it seems like he's 100% in practices. He doesn't seem like he's still building back up to that. This is more a matter of uh, Baxter uh, doing what is asked of him and just showing that gradual improvement each and every day. Absolutely. We have not heard of any lingering injuries from his, his, um, what was it? I believe it was hernia or um, hernia, I believe, uh, from from the Alamo Bowl back in December. We, We haven't heard of any lingering deals. I know they were real cautious with him in the spring, but like I said, Cedric Baxter just looks different than the other running backs. It, it's 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 kind of hard. It, it's like when you look at the offensive line and you you see Kelvin Banks and then Cameron Williams and then Neto Omeo Zulu and some of these guys just look different than the other ones. You're listening to a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker, a conversation with the great Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Coming up more with Justin on the other side. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. And this is the second of a two-part conversation that Brad Kellner and I had earlier on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel with Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. On the defensive side of the ball, Justin, uh, I feel like if there is a question on defense, it has to do with a couple of spots. One is that edge rusher spot, which uh, hopefully uh, Ethan Burke will do a nice job of uh, filling in, at least on first and second downs. Perhaps we see Anthony Hill on third downs. But is David been to the guy at that other inside linebacker spot next to Jalen Ford? And what do you expect out of Benda on Saturday, if so? He is right now. He is right now, and and I think you're going to see you know you're going you're going to see plenty of Benda on on on, on Saturday. Um, he, he is a solid guy. He's been through the through the the program for years now. The the question is going to be how much are we going to see of the younger guys? You're going to see more Benda for the first two weeks naturally, just because Mo Blackwell is going to be out, so Benda's going to have to play. You're going to see a little bit more of Anthony Hill than I think we expected. Maybe even more uh, Leona LaFowl. As well, you know, he obviously he's backing up um, um, Jalen Ford, but Ben I think's got a pretty good hold on it. What's going to be interesting is going to be how how many different positions Anthony Hill plays because we know he's going to play some will. We know there's a package for him at edge. He may be the most natural pass rusher in the program. Um, Ethan Burke 
I'm curious to kind of see what he's going to do. And, and I think each piece is going to complement the other. And so you don't have to have an all-star in that bend the spot. You just have to have a veteran that knows, knows the gaps and knows his assignments and knows his role. And I think that's what you're going to get. You, you lose Blackwell for a couple of weeks, and, and trust me, that's not it. That that hurts. That's the twitchy linebacker. That's your ultra athletic, intense, suddenness type guy. So Ben is going to have to come in there and, and clean some of that up. But I think you're going to see more Anthony Hill than anything. And that, I, and I, I, I went on record. Manny Muhammad and Anthony Hill are going to be really difficult to keep off the field mm-hmm. in, in 2023. And like I said, when I compare it to 2001. That that freshman linebacker in 2001, what was his name? Is that Derek Johnson? I'm <laughs> telling you, there's a lot of similarities to that year and this year. Man, that is awesome. Last thing for me, Jay Wells. Look, I, I'm hearing too many Texas fans say, oh, it's a successful season if we get to the Big 12 championship game. To me, it feels like they got to win the Big 12. It, it almost has nothing to do with the fact that this is the Longhorns last year in the conference. It's just this team is too talented, too experienced, and there are so many other questions across the Big 12. For, for me, it's like, you know, obviously you get to Arlington, you give yourself a chance, but for me, it'd be a disappointment if Texas doesn't win this conference here in 2023. Where are you at with uh, with those expectations? That's the beauty of, of our jobs in sports. These the, They have expectations. And in the past, we, we will all admit Often they were too high. And that's kind of, that's been, you know, that's the, the, the standard that, that the lost Dodds and, and even before him, Matt Brown, all those guys did. But I, guys, they bet they have to get to Arlington. They have to. This roster's too good. The schedule lines up for them in, in, in really a positive way. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. I don't think that's happening. I think there's, I, I, there, there's too many potholes, but just they're going to have to get to Arlington. Like that's, it, it will be a letdown if they don't. And the beauty of this group is if they'll embrace the hate, if they if they will take each game because, listen, they only thought they had a target on their back for the last 20, 30, 40 years. <laughs> People are licking their chops. I had a buddy of mine that coaches at Oklahoma State, and they had one of their big, one of their big donors came through the other day, and he's talking about, you know, all these different things. And he said, the only thing I want to know – is are you going to beat Texas and OU in your final year in the Big 12? Because 10 years from now, your family, that's all they're going to ask. They're not going to ask you what you did this season. They're not going to ask you what bowl you went to. They're going to ask you, did you beat Texas and Oklahoma in the last year in the Big 12? Now, granted, OSU doesn't play the, the, the horns this year, but the message is program to program. Embrace the hate and go week to week. And if they do that, I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to be in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. They're going to have to play somebody probably different. I think Kansas State is probably my 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 team right now, even though I'm, I'm, I just don't know how they're going to replace Deuce Vaughn. I just love Chris Kleiman, and I love what they're doing. TCU is always going to be around the mix. Texas Tech is kind of a, 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 a happy pick right now because Joey McGuire likes to say a lot of stuff. And so at the end of the day, you know, I think it's going to be Brett Yormark handing that trophy to Steve Sarkeesian. I think Sark took the high road. I think he has handled this whole thing with the Big 12 and the commissioners with the utmost class. I think CDC has as well. And um, I'm telling you, if they weren't motivated to get to Arlington before now, tell them everybody in the world hates them and then have their commissioner admit it in public. 
I think that's only going to entrust these guys anymore. I think this is only going to make them closer. I know the expectations are high, guys, but they should be. This Texas bunch is good. All right, two more quickies from you, Justin. First, Alabama game uh, aside, because that is the toughest game on the schedule right now. It is in Tuscaloosa after all. What is the second toughest game on the schedule in your opinion? I was going to say, before they all got – had before they had too much fun gambling, I was going to say the trap game in Iowa State and, and Ames because this team only leaves the state twice. And I, you know, before you know, they had an addiction to FanDuel in the program. I, I was kind of circling that game in November because you know, Ames can be crazy, Ames can be crazy, but now <laughs> I don't even know if they're going to field the team. <laughs> and so, that's such a good question. I like that they get tech last, I really do. I liked it because last year you, Tech Tech only had to get, you know, they've had to face the backup quarterback, and they got Texas early. And so I, I, I think that bodes well. Oklahoma's going to be better naturally. Uh, they have to be. Uh, they, they, they've improved. That's, that's for sure. Kansas. I was, I've been laughed at. I've been made fun of. Kansas is better than people think. Jalen Daniels is an outstanding quarterback. If he's healthy, I think they have a completely different season last year. I think Lance Leopold is doing a great job in Lawrence. Kansas is one I'm watching as well. It's going to be one of them, Trey, BK. It's going to be one of them. I just don't know when. All right, and last question now. I would uh, regret not asking you a little something on recruiting before we would do – uh, what's happening in the world of recruiting for the Longhorns right now? Obviously, this is a, a home game this weekend. So, are there any official visitors for this weekend's game, and anything else on the horizon that Longhorn fans need to know about? Well, for the game, no, no official visitors. But they, they, they've got. We actually just posted at InsideTexas.com and even another updated Rosh, uh, uh, visitor list. Jabori Antoine, big time corner out of uh, uh, the New Iberia, actually at the same high school from Derek Williams. Uh, he's going to be there. He, he visited in the offseason. Uh, he, he's a really nice-looking corner. He's going to be on campus. Wardell Mack, who is a priority corner uh, out of Marrero on, on the East Bank of New Orleans, uh, John Arrett High School. Uh, he's committed to Florida, but but he's going to be on campus for the Rice game. And so Texas is still in the mix with him. Terry Joseph's doing a great job there, kind of chipping away. Um, you're not going to see as many big names this weekend. You're going to see big names – weekend after next because I think Texas is planning on going to Tuscaloosa taking care of business and riding that wave of momentum week three when they host Wyoming that's when number five edge in the country Danny Okoye out of Tulsa Oklahoma is going to be on campus on three industry ranking five-star Ryan Wingo wide receiver is going to be on campus that's the weekend that's starting to build up and I think that's been strategic. I think Sark's thinking, guys, if we go into, into Bama and do what we need to do, we need to hit that momentum quick whenever we get back home. And so that's going to be kind of your weekend. As for recruiting overall, I know that you've got people watching right now, listening, wondering, Dominic McKinley, what's the latest on Dominic McKinley, the big six foot five, 280 pound, uh, on three industry, five star de- defensive lineman uh, out of Louisiana, uh, the Lafayette native. Listen, Texas is, is, is swinging. They're throwing hands right now. They were in a great position a couple weeks ago. Texas A&M and Oklahoma have closed that gap, and now it is a brawl. 
And so he's announcing on September 1st. You can check that out at InsideTexas.com. Um, I'm not as confident as I was in my RPM a couple days ago, but I, I have faith in this staff that, you know, I'm, I'm going to see it through. If, I, if I'm wrong, then I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to see it through because I know Texas likes this kid. And anytime you're in the mix for, a, for a, a, the number one defensive lineman in Louisiana, that's that's a plus. That's a that, that's a positive. And so yeah. McKinley's probably the news everybody wants. And right now, I think Texas has their hands full with OU and, and, and the Aggies. Let us know the GoFundMe so we can uh, do whatever we can do to get him on campus, Justin. We'll uh, we'll get all of our listeners and viewers to support and uh, and make sure that happens. I had a buddy. I had a buddy called me this week. He was driving through Lafayette to take his boss's Bentley to Palm Springs. And he, he needed some food recreation. So it's food yeah. recs, recommendations. Prejons. 100% of the time, you got to hit prejons. Crawfish, enchil- crawfish enchiladas, they will change your life. Whoa. And I told him to go ahead and drop that car off with McKinley on his way. <laughs> and, I, and I'd make sure everything was, you know, taken care of, all in jest, all in fun. Uh, but, yeah, McKinley's the big guy, the big fish on the hook, and we'll find out September 1st. Oh, man. Jay Wells, you're the man, brother. Great catching up. Hopefully this is far from the last time we get to uh, talk to you on this channel. Love having you on, my brother. Enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy all the games this weekend, and uh, we'll catch up soon. For anybody that knows, these two are the originators of nothing but love, guys. That is it for a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. Expect this regularly going forward because I do a daily live show with Brad Kellner on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Texas Sports Unfiltered. You can check out BK and me live from 12 to 1. Bucky Godbolt and BK from 8 to 10 in the morning. Also... Zay, Isaiah Collier, and Chip Brown from 1 to 3 in the afternoon and some more exciting programming announcements coming up soon. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the night. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.